0: April 2016, I released an, an album called Into the Sea, um, and it's called Into the Sea because um, it's, uh, it's based on uh, the story of Jonah, where Jonah uh, threw himself into the sea in the middle of a storm. Uh, and it's basically the worship, my worship response to a, a prior season, one where I really identified with the prophet Jonah and his crisis of limitations. Um, in 2015, a storm enveloped my world and the world of our little family, and I became intimately acquainted with the uh, chaos of the sea. The sea called for my death, and it got what it asked for. In the middle of this storm, uh, I had two choices, the spectacle or the sea, distraction or depth, the facade or the painfully real. The storm came to reveal the facade, the spectacle for what it truly is, which is an imposter the storm declares war on the facade and says this false self, this false reality is going to have to die, just like it did with the prophet Jonah. You see, God wants depth and not distraction. He wants the real me and not the facade. God wants the sea and not the spectacle. It's actually the real me that the Lord wants And it's the real me that the Lord loves. And I've got this ongoing choice between what is real and what I want to reveal. Or what I want to be real, sorry. And this storm revealed both. Um, The story of Jonah became really important to me in this season. Because it guided me through uh, the hardest and most difficult time of my life. Most people know Jonah as the man who tried to run away from God and got eaten by a giant fish and was vomited out and then went on to transform an entire pagan city. But before we dive into this story, I just want to give this little book some context. Um, In 2 Kings chapters 15 to 18, we read how the Assyrian army invaded Jonah's land, laid siege to it, And deported the people. Invading is what happens when uh, I take my army, march into another country and take over it using uh, force and violence. Uh, Laying siege is what happens when I surround a city with my army and cut off the city from its supply sources like food and water so that the people inside eventually starve to death or surrender. And deporting is what happens when you capture the people that you've been invading, uh, take them from their homes and families, uh, to live far away, uh, to become slaves to another group of people, to become another city, to another city. So the Assyrians uh, had been invading, laying siege, and deporting uh, the uh, Israel people of Israel, and uh, they were. Israel's enemies at this point in time, they made life hell for them. Uh, It was at this time, whilst the Assyrians were Israel's uh, very um, prominent enemies, um, that this story emerges about an Israelite named Jonah, whom God tells to take a message to Nineveh. And Nineveh was actually in Assyria. So this is very confronting for Jonah because God was pretty much sending him to journey into his greatest fear. So Jonah 1 verse 3, it starts off by um, uh, talking about Jonah's response. So Jonah, God tells Jonah to, to go to the city of Nineveh to give him this message. And Jonah uh, it says this, However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. It's what some of us do, isn't it? When we're faced with fear, uh, we flee, we hide, instead of facing up to reality. We see ourselves in Jonah's response, confronting our own fear and asking ourselves the question, what am I hiding from? What am I running from? I also used to wonder about Tarshish, like why did Jonah get on a boat to Tarshish? What was it about Tarshish that was so appealing? But the point of this story isn't what Jonah was running to, it's what Jonah was running from. Healthy people run to things, but unhealthy people run from things. Jonah was running and hiding from his greatest fear, just like we have a tendency to do. Next verse, verse 4. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The Lord sent a storm to thrust Jonah into a crisis of limitations. God has become this rock that will bring Jonah down into the depth of the sea. Richard Raw says it's not a rock to bring Jonah down into evil but a rock to bring him down into a larger freedom from his small self, which is not yet big enough to hold even a bit of infinity. Jonah's broken cistern is now being exposed. God seems quite okay to allow us to experience pain and grief and loss in one area of life while he uses the experience to do a deeper work that ultimately brings about freedom, peace, and joy. The storm is the pain and the grief and the lost part. And just as it threatened to break apart the ship in this story, storms threaten to break apart relationships that are most important to us unless we humble ourselves and reflect, for reflection is where the power is. What am I running from? What am I afraid of? What did I do to get here? How responsible am I? God doesn't extract us from the storm. He empowers our reflection until the peace that we have on the inside ultimately calms the wind and the waves on the outside. Next verse, verse 5. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. So Jonah's in the middle of this storm that threatens his very life, and he is down in the lowest part of the vessel, asleep. What I see here is denial. Jonah isn't on deck with the other crew members facing reality. He's still hiding, but more likely or probably in an unconscious way. Denial's powerful. You don't know that you're in it when you're in it. It isn't one of those things that you immediately kind of realise and wake up from either. It's got layers and you wake up from denial in layers. Each time a layer unravels, there is a painful reality to confront, usually about yourself that you were hiding from before. So the captain finds Jonah asleep in the lowest part of the vessel Yells at him to wake up and everyone in the crew casts lots to figure out who's to blame. And the lot falls on Jonah. We read from verses um, 11 to 12. So they said to him, What should we do to you to calm this sea that's against us? For this sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it may quieten down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that is against you the journey of depth begins right here where Jonah confronts reality and accepts his fate Jonah says I'm here because of my own actions my own choices to hide to run and to remain in denial about what is driving me I am responsible In the time that Jesus was crucified, it wasn't compulsory for people to carry their own cross to crucifixion. Those that did, however, did as a sign to the people that they had accepted their fate. Jesus voluntarily carries his own cross to crucifixion as a sign to the people around him that he accepts his fate. Powerlessness must be embraced in order to transition from the first task of life, which Richard Raw calls kind of building this container of identity and uh, security um, and kind of value and worth, powerlessness needs to be embraced in order to transition from that first task of building this container to a second task, which happens later in life, and that is filling that container with meaning. So verses 14 to 15, So Jonah called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. This is in the moment uh, in the story where there is silence. Uh, The man responsible for the storm is gone. All that once was is now lost and the sea stops its churning for it has received what it was after. Richard Raw says, give me your failure, God says, and I will make a life out of it. Give me your broken, disfigured, rejected, betrayed body like the body you see hanging on the cross and I will make a life out of it. It is the divine pattern of transformation. The man that Jonah was needed to die. The man that chose to hide from his fears and stay in denial about what was driving him, that man had to die in order for the story to continue. Into the sea is the moment the old way dies. It's where depth drowns distraction. It's where the spectacle is subverted by the sea. It's where the facade, the reflection we've been seeing all this time in the mirror, shatters and we glimpse... What we really look like. God consoles our true self only after He has devastated our false self. Verse 17 says Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Jonah now has nowhere to go but inward. Being in the whale is like being in a crucible of reflection. There's nothing purposed for you there other than self-examination. If you find yourself in the whale or in a season that resembles being in a whale, don't ask yourself, what do I need to do to get out of here? Ask yourself, what do I need to do to go deeper? You don't get to decide when you leave the whale. The whale decides when you're ready. The purpose of this time is self-examination and reflection. It's depth, not extraction. It's at this point I want to show you two prayers. The first is the prayer that Jonah prays in the belly of the whale. And the second is parts of Psalm 18 written by King David. And the two prayers are incredibly similar. So let's start with Jonah's prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple." The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth was with its prison bars enclosed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple, Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. That last verse that says salvation is from the Lord is actually the very middle of the book of Jonah. So there's an equal number of verses before that verse as there are After that verse, it's like it's the peak or apex of the mountain uh, or the the apex of the story. Uh, Jonah finds his salvation in the sea. The only thing strong enough to move Jonah from the first half of this story to the second half is faith in the midst of suffering and failure, which is expressed here in his beautiful prayer inside the whale. Richard Raw says, unless you somehow weep over your own phoniness, hypocrisy and woundedness, you probably will not let go of the first half of life. The gift of tears helps you embrace the mystery of paradox, of that which can't be fixed, which can't be made right, which can't be controlled, which doesn't make sense. But if you don't allow this needed disappointment to well up within you... If you surround yourself with your orthodoxies and your certitudes and your belief that you're the best, frankly, you will stay in the first half of life forever and never fall into the great mercy. Many religious people never allow themselves to fall, while many sinners fall and rise again. Now, listen to the similar language found in Psalm 18. So this is King David writing. The ropes of death were wrapped around me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry reached Him, uh, reached his ears. He reached down from heaven and took hold of me and pulled me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my distress, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted me. In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrased a verse in Psalm 18 by saying, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. After all this, the whale finally vomits Jonah out onto the beach and we read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Jonah is recommissioned into his original assignment, into his purpose, after what had to die in him was drowned in the sea. This ultimately is a resurrection story. Again, Richard Raw says, The crucified has revealed that the real authority that authors people and changes the world is an inner authority which comes from people who have lost, let go, and are refound on a new level. Isaiah 43, 16 to 19 says, This is what the Lord says. He who makes a way in the sea and a path through surging waters, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The purpose of the sea is not to fall into it and stay there. It's to journey through it and into something new. In John 6, there's a story where Jesus walks on the sea in the middle of a storm. Jesus walks on the sea that Jonah falls into. Jesus overcame that which overcomes us. Because of Jesus, we can expect and look forward to resurrection. In John 4, Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman, and he says that the Father is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the word here for truth, the Greek word, actually means reality. Uh, Spirit and reality. I want to be a worshiper who worships from the Spirit. That is, from my spiritual gifts, from my anointing. But I also want to worship from reality. No secrets, nothing hidden, honest, vulnerable, transparent, and broken. God wants more than my giftedness. He wants my reality. So my encouragement to you tonight from this beautiful poetic story in the middle of the Old Testament is this. Don't just give God what is gifted. Give God what is real. Don't just give people what is gifted. Give people what is real. It's the real you that the Lord loves. It's the real you that the Lord wants. Perhaps it's the real you that your wife or your husband wants. Perhaps it's the real you that your kids want, your friends, your colleagues, the real you. Don't just give what is gifted. Give what is real. just want to create some space now for us to respond to the Lord in our own way. I'm sure there was probably at least one thing there that pierced... Uh, and kind of got through and, and spoke to your heart. And so I just uh, create some space now, sing another song, feel free to join in. Otherwise, just be where you are and, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you.